Hi, everybody, and welcome to part two of our full album review for Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib's project, Pinata. This is the Classic Quest podcast, the show where we break down albums like Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib's project, Pinata, track by track, giving <laughs> our thoughts and opinions on every single song. Yep. My name is Holden Stefan Roy. I am your lady friend, Bonnie. And this is part two of our full album review of Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib's album, Pinata. And you can check out the first eight tracks of the album in part one by clicking on the thingy that probably popped up in the corner or, like, you know, clicking on Somewhere the channel and, around and getting here. it. Or it might be in suggested videos on the side if you haven't seen it. But it's yeah. a good starting point where we do the first half of the album. And here we're going to do the second half of the album, Ta-da! starting with the track that serves as an acronym. Remember, everyone ain't loyal. Real. Cause I'm real the way. All right, Bonnie, how do you feel about this track? Well, um, yeah, remember, everyone ain't loyal. Um, and so that's your acronym again. Um, I mean, that's okay. I get it. I get it. Um, and he's just kind of um, he meant talking about the fact that he's real and he speaks about real things and about what he knows and you know, again, he's not a studio gangster. He's not one of those types. Um, he makes reference to a person that got run up on at the BET Awards. And Cheesy. I, oh, is that who it is? I, like, I wasn't sure the if it's... The whole second verse is Okay, juicy. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, um, it's, you know, it was obviously a reference to something. I wasn't sure the whole... Okay, well... Mm. Cheesy. All right. Um, I knew that he definitely mentioned him. I didn't know, didn't realize maybe the whole thing. Anyways, but... Um, this is just store, store, more stories about, um, you know, guys and guns and, you know, people not being scared uh, to, you know, get rid of their enemies that cross them and, you know, just that kind of thing. And it ends with another sort of like movie skit where a guy gets like beat up by like a gangster on like the street and sounds like an old school movie. So I like that kind of featurette that's kind of thrown in. Um, for me, this one is not my favorite one. Um, it's still like well made and everything like that, but I don't know. It just doesn't really like stick with me so much. Um, so it's a 4.35 from me. This sounds fire. So it starts <laughs> off ready to kick your ass out the world. A little sample there, yeah. which is nice. It creates a little context. It's from the very fun movie escape from new york which i believe is kurt russell um who plays the u.s special forces soldier turned rebel snake Pliskin, and he goes through escaping from the prison that is new york and then there's escape from la good times great movies that i watched in my childhood and then he starts off jeezy i mean sorry not jeezy that's who the target is but freddie starts off with remember everybody ain't loyal you soft as gelatin sick of telling them people show them it's coca in the pot people drop it and let it boil goofy people make me nervous they ain't serve him if i ain't know him so he, he then proceeds to kind of paint this picture where he's real he understands that the people in his world ain't, ne- ain't necessarily matching his level of of i guess tenacity you know he stands on his own two balls, my dick and ten toes. It's not the first time he said that. It's possibly the second time he's used that exact verbiage on this album. Straight to the tippy top, hear this person spitting it. Whether I got a hit or not, I hit it, then the whip. They notice it when they hit the rock. I'm just a cocaine chemist, cooking, chopping, and cutting. You'll die if I push a button. So it's kind of alluding that there's somebody that's fake here, but mostly he's trying to accentuate the fact that he's real. Uh, the DA want me gone. They say he's a detriment to the public. Took his daughter, put his dick in her butt, and said, how you 
you love it, bitch, which I thought was pretty strong. So the DA is trying to get him locked up and whatnot. So he fucks his daughter in the ass <laughs> and gets her down um, and points out that everyone ain't loyal, which is fascinating, right? Because even this DA's daughter isn't loyal to her dad. She's loyal to his dick. Mm-hmm. Um Cause all the real ones is in jail deep in the soil, dancing with the devil or eating a feast with the Lord. Gotta spit it how I live it, I beat the street and report. All the reals is uh, either jail or deep in the soil. So he's pointing out that like in order for you to be a real one, this is the consequence of your actions. This is the painting that he's putting in his whatever. And then, you know, that's real. You got me all fucked up in this bitch. And then the beat just shifts and it's like a whole new song. So part one is like, Freddie Gibbs pointing out, I'm I'm the real one. I am what, you know, is out there. But remember, everyone, not everyone is loyal. In verse 2, he's just scoped in on Jeezy because he was signed to Jeezy at first is what I understand, and then he went on. So the world ain't big enough for the both of us. Batter up, you pussy people getting fucked. So he's kind of now challenging out, saying we both can't be here. It's impossible. Right. It's ready to come in. Straight, raw with infection, passing no prophylactic. So he's basically fucking you raw with an infection, like he's got AIDS with no fucking condom on. Hmm. That's just a fire bar. I don't even care what you're saying. Whatever, that's amazing. <laughs> Eastside, anybody killing my people active, smoking and breaking the 7 and the 650. Babyface gangster been slanging since 9-4. So he's putting him, you know, context. This is who he is still. He's been around for a long time. I thought the world was at my feet when I licked up with snow. I'm like, is he talking about Jeezy? Yeah, he is. Because Jeezy's the snowman. And uh, then I found out he can sign. He's like, but I refuse to be his flunky, so we don't kick it no more. And I'm like, ooh, this is getting good. He's like, evidently, this is the real one that he doesn't like, or the real one, we should say. Yeah. Um, so he's not going to be his flunky. Straight to the fact, I looked up to you, put that on my mom. I signed a deal with you and never asked you for a dollar. Not to say that he didn't make money, but like he wasn't trying to get money out of him. Because I was down with the CTE, plus I was getting cheese. I played my fuck-ass contract, what the lick read. Thought I'd say this shit because you ain't man enough to come discuss it. You want to be Jay-Z, but you're just a fucking puppet. Yep. I'm like, whoa, what the shit? Yo, shots fired at Jay-Z Freddie is sure. mad. Well, not just at Jay-Z. It's shots fired at Snow. This is all at fucking uh, Jeezy. Because Jeezy had signed to, I think, Rockefeller trying to be like the next Jay-Z. So he's saying, right. you want to be Jay-Z, but you're just a fucking puppet. You're just some guy over there that they're, you're, you're making dumbass moves and making us all look bad type shit. But he's kind of like, you know, he, he got his contract, did his shit. He wanted to, do, he, he didn't actually believe he can get Jeezy in a room, so he made a diss track and did it proper like this. Gary boys and Ambo talking, so bitch, I had to show you. Don't make me expose you to those who don't know you. And that's an interesting point. It's like, I know the real you, dog. Don't make me expose you. Don't make me put out there into the world what I know, destroying your gangster. Man, you said you was the realist in this motherfucker. Check it. But Ross had you scared to drop a diss record. So here he's pointing out how Jeezy put himself out like he's the realest one out there. But when Rick Ross and him was beefing, apparently Ross had him too scared to drop this record. So no nuts, you got the whole team looking weak. So now by your cowardice and not fighting back to Mr. Rick Ross, you have me, Mr. Freddie Gibbs, and the rest of the squad looking weak. Guess that's why they ran up here and you had the BET, LA red carpet. I was geeked. You couldn't take security, so we ain't take a seat. So it's like basically he's calling him a pussy. 
mm-hmm. and showing that your weak actions allowed this to happen, making us all look bad. <clears throat> I played the fool before, but you a hoe I'll never be. They searched that tour bus. Milwaukee had that 44 on me. ESG until the end. I feed the killers. Pray the Lord will take my breath before I be like this fucking monkey person. Just a whole <laughs> lot of rapping, but no motherfucking action. Seeing Gucci by himself when he was 30 deep in magic. You ain't did shit. You didn't bust the grape or shook from the gate. Made it seem to me that gangster shit could be fake. So then he follows this up saying, I got my gun on me when I got searched. What about you? You know, I pray that I die before I end up like this poser. And then he basically ran into Gucci Mane, who he was also beefing with uh, at Magic City, the strip club with all sorts of folk and could have basically and maybe fucked like, him up. This is kind of like why it doesn't appeal to me. I'm like, this is just like drama. But like, I know it's relevant drama but it's it's got to look at it more like a rap beef <clears throat> so if you're gonna battle rap, so remember when we watched a battle rap movie and how they talked about guns a lot because they yeah. didn't want to go personal of course this is the opposite this is using a bunch of public <laughs> evidence to point out that Jeezy's a fake gangster by going look at all these instances where you could have proven your gangster but end of the day you chose not to prove your gangster right like you saw gucci Mane, he's sitting by himself you have a whole squad of goons what the fuck why didn't you go do some shit you know so, because all my enemies have put them suckers in their place, so they take them shades up off your face and look me in my fucking face because I'm a motherfucking rare breed. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, don't reproduce nothing but evil seeds and rapping and trapping and still ducking these FEDs. So then he kind of flips it. Look at me. Come pay attention to a real one. Like, you had me here. We're gone now. You ain't ever going to see real like this again. But BMF was sticking you for your fucking cheese. So uh, Black Mafia family was, uh, as I understand it, so don't crucify me if I get this wrong, but there was some legitimate gangsters who tried to legitimize through record deals, and Jeezy was one of the artists that they had signed at a certain point and did some label shit to take his fucking money, and it was not very nice. And yeah, I know you sold the blow and whipped a hard, but underneath the fucking money, use the fucking mark. Take heed to my statements because they might throw you. Don't make me expose you to those who don't know you, bitch. Snowman killer. And I was like, what makes this verse extra powerful to me, like worth going through the entire thing, is how deeply personal it is, right? So it isn't just use a whack rapper. It's, it's like, yo, I... I put my trust in you, dog, because I had your back. And you disappointed me by proving that when it came time to actually test your gangster, you failed the tests and you chose to be like a corporate pleb rather than live up for what it's supposed to be. Like, you know, end of the day, why didn't you just drop the diss track against Rick Ross? Now, I don't have all the details, so I don't really know. I'm just reporting on how this song put it, but it certainly looks like a, a pretty powerful assault against uh jeezy from uh freddie gibbs here and i was quite interested in it i thought this was quite quite enthralling to listen to i give it a 4.5 i really 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 liked it nice anyway how do you say one in spanish uno how do you feel about uno um yeah uh basically he's saying that like the rap game really just needs a guy like him and he's number one not to be confused with the card game. Um, he's number one. He's real. Um, I mean, it's got a cool beat to it. Um, I like the hook. I'm number one, number one with a bullet. Bring your guns, 50 shots when I pull it. Make them run. Make you motherfuckers bleed. Only fuck with real G's public enemies. I'm number one, number one with a bullet. And it just goes on again. But um, I like that line. It kind of flows like interestingly and it sounds cool. 
Um, he thinks that he might end up dead uh, because of like his fame and success and people are actually like now listening when he speaks. And so he it, like that's kind of scary. And I can like totally see how that's, you know, like if you say the wrong thing, then, you know, your entire career could be gone or somebody could, you know, get so offended and want to kill you. And so it's it's sort of like that mentality that like your words are now listened to and you kind of have to deal with like the reactions of people. Um, so he's kind of taking that seriously and is aware of that. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily like one of like the standout ones on the album, but it's still like a cool song and it flows well and it works with everything else. But, um, it's a a 4.25 from me. So as I cruise around Gary on Google maps, I'm Mm -hmm. noticing a lot of these places don't have sidewalks. Like a lot of it looks like the farms. Like the farm yeah. villages, and then a lot of it looks like real I imagine. Nice. I don't. I don't know what the industry that was there that kept everybody like. But it feels going like with there's it parts doesn't exist of it, anymore. Parts of it look real nice, and parts of it look real hood, and you can tell by which parts have sidewalk. Um, I don't know. This track's alright. Like it, it just kind of feels like I, I don't know. To me, this felt like the first one that was a little fillery. Like, it didn't necessarily bring a whole lot new to the table. Yeah. But on the other hand, Madlib still made a great beat, and I like the fast-paced kind of flow that he brought with it. And I guess you could argue that after the Jeezy song, this is more of a commentary about what the game needs, so pointing out what was fake and now kind of following it up with what is relevant and what is important to it is a good conceptual follow-up. So I'm not trying to hate on it, but... I don't know, fuck, uh, people sparked the weed up, shit been watered down, the rap game, they need us real people to intervene, they interject, got a bitch naked, some, got some neck in the vet, and I'm finna jet, finna get fucked up in this bitch, that's on fin, popping yoppers, fuck the copper, selling narcotics, people, we got that on it. I'm like, okay, I mean, it sounds good as he's rapping, and it sounds proper, everything about this, it, it feels right, but I just did not necessarily have a whole lot in this particular tune that was like, grabbing me to the same level of interest as the previous tracks on the project um i did like the end of it when he goes uh i'm just blessed to be out here fucking living life giving these people hell so reckless with everything i write shit got me wishing dmx had never hit the pipe pun ain't never died and big i was here to bless the mic Mm -hmm. and i think another thing i look for in I guess people that I respect in this shit, in this uh, in this world of hip hop, is people who acknowledge who their influences are. Yep. And it would be kind of weird for Freddie Gibbs to be like, "I've never listened to DMX." I mean, you can hear it right <laughs> there, and it's, you can also hear the Big Al once yeah. he says it, right? So I appreciate the fact that he like kind of feels like I gotta come in here and like pick up like from where these guys left off and bring that level of realness that is just missing showing you some examples of what it could be plus i like a good wrestling bar so ain't no hogging me i'm swine free tough as the iron chic is pretty fun um but i thought this was just like a nice little fun groovy kind of track to kind of move through on the vibe it was all right for me um I, I don't want to waste your time with pointless dribbles. So I gave this a 4.35. It's definitely, like, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't recommend this shit. It was totally good to listen to. When you're putting on the album, you totally, no desire to skip it or anything. It's just from, like, a talking about it perspective. I have a little bit less to say. Hmm. That's all good and whatnot. We can move on then to track 11 on this album, which is called Robes. Robes. All right, so how do you feel about this one? Um... 
I mean, it's okay. Um, we have a, a very nice sample from uh, a song from like the 1960s called uh, Sweet Dreamer by Lenny White. And so like this one like is really nice and it kind of like flows well onto like this like album that kind of works as like a record almost. And um, it just sounds nice. And then I definitely have to like mention um, the skit at the end about him like ranting about like the music industry and everything like that. Um, it's like, I get it and whatever, but he makes fun of TLC and, um, Waterfalls and Sir, that is just rude. That is a very good song and, um, all girls like me like it. So, um, and boys, of course, boys can also like it. Um, so yeah, everybody loves that song, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but the point was, get, is yes. because the record deal only get them 7% of revenue, therefore it's a bullshit record deal. Yeah. And so and it just follows up by pointing out he got that 85% Master P deal. He's Plus, obviously showing that he's... It's rude but apt and descriptive to the goal he's trying to communicate that don't I get guess. punked by the music industry with such a um, stick to the balls and your dicks that you used to kind of vibe because that's what getting mm. fucked in the ass is like is what he's trying to say like when you get a really bullshit fucking deal he never understood that right or when they spend two to three million dollars on some bullshit like they basically rig it so you get some whack ass overpriced beat that you're paying for on your money that you owe them back for it's all bullshit the way a lot of this stuff works out yeah. in terms of when you learn how labels structure deals and loans and all of that but then it's like they'll they'll give you a loan but then they'll make you spend an insane amount of money that you'll never recoup so like yep. if you're like real wise with it you make real low-key shit and spend as little money as possible so that you can get the promotional benefits of the record label but then they'll show up and make you spend two million dollars in studio time for for getting names that don't give a shit about anyway it's yep. all bullshit it's basically like extortion Anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't really have too much else to say about this song. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, it's not bad. It was a four on five for me. There's not really like so much in it. I feel like it has a good vibe to it. Yeah. Um, so they got this like more singy hook. Uh, they often see what we can't see. Wearing a smile, you never had the time to frown. Dreamer and pre spread some joy. So I guess it has a, a different kind of tone to it. It's a little bit somber. Like looking more towards like up. Uh, a more hopeful perspective rather than everything we have been listening to. Um, it also features Domo Genesis and Earl Sweatshirt. Mm -hmm. So Domo starts us off with, you, yo, you ain't shit if you ain't never struggled. You got to put in hard work before you flex your muscles. I see where people fall off trying to perfect the puzzle. You ain't got to like my work shit. Respect my hustle. So if you think about the last track kind of building on the notion of fake ones and people trying to cheat the shit, we have jo Domo Genesis following up on the grind and the hustle and, and how you got to put in that work in order to achieve some shit. My swagger fine. I never had to pack my lines with plastic rhymes. Diamond in the rough. Give it time. You'll find your light and shine. This little light of mine. These are the highest right times. But my third eye divine. I see my skies align, etc. Basically, he's putting a, I got, the, I put in the work. The reward is going to complement. That's what's required, um, which, is, which is fair. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely make sense at least at this point in the album then you have earl sweatshirt who really sounds like eeyore uh the, the from winnie the pooh uh part in the sense checking press releases off the beeper like a pimp smang and lever off the strand through his demons out the clip the scenic route below tires screaming in the mist and like the key open the door i twist the weed i bought because i don't know how to cope with shit 
and this just kind of has him feeling like this you get this manic sense of not coping well with like the success or the life that comes through it all and it's like everything about it just feels wrong like he he kind of mm. describes almost the marketing and everything here like making the music is how i kind of picture through his demons off the cliff and then he ends up at this point where he just can't cope with shit except to get high um Easy, I could three hit him right where his shoulders sit. Maneuver through a swamp like a four wheeler, hitting it quickly after a chorus. Lead that father like I had her, little Caesar. The son he never had him wanted like cold pizza. Little Caesar's says I had cold pizza, but um. Anyway, I didn't really follow exactly what Earl Sweatshirt was going for. I found him kind of ambiguous, but like I wasn't, I didn't care enough to like think about what he was saying. It just kind of sounded good over the beat. Um, and Freddie comes through and gets a little blunter for us, which I appreciate more than the obscurity of what Earl did here. Um, but fuck every rapper in his entourage. Fuck up the stage and blow daddy smoke on his bodyguards. Nothing but cutlasses, Cadillac coops in my garage. My foreign break it some morning head on the Autobahn. So fuck all the rappers out there. He gonna come through and do that real shit and get some head on the Autobahn, which kudos, man. I would like to get head on the Autobahn too. Uh, faces. I've driven on the Autobahn. Were you giving head? I was not. Well, we can fix that. We can try it out. Faces, smiling faces, keep me motivated. And I got plenty of fans, but I ain't shit without my haters. And I like that because he recognizes he needs the haters for fame. And the truth about fame is you need people to love and hate you, or it's not possible to really have fame. Uh, notice Pussy A&R that threw some bullshit across the table. The next year, I'd still be rapping, and he fired from his label. I like that line because it points out like he didn't accept the bullshit deal and this A&R guy who tried to kind of fuck him with that shit uh, it turns out a year later he's still doing his thing even though the A&R guy's probably like you need me blah 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 but now the A&R guy doesn't even work he's just fucking done right. and then I don't know he, he follows through and just kind of puts it up again with the legitimacy of who he is and how that kind of gets him through then there's that outro about the whole kind of business side of his world where he owns his shit and it kind of reinforces the importance of owning of getting the right kind of deal of not just accepting bullshit of knowing your worth in a sense and i feel like this song is a little bit about understanding your worth and not just trying to cut corners but about building that shit properly yep. um but i agree in terms of it not being my favorite one on this album so i gave it a 4.35 but i still think it's extremely well done like madlib alone is like he has no misses everything he touches on this project is pure gold and then some of my preferences have to do with the rest of this song so i'm gonna say that this is a very easy album to listen to beginning to end multiple times in a row um and that at no point does it really feel like the flow of the album is broken. This one features a uh, rapper turned politician, uh, Scarface, because <laughs> uh, he ran to be a council person, District D of the Houston City Council. When, anyway, he did not win. But I would argue that if you run a political election, you are totally um, a politician <laughs> at that point. And I say this with all respect because Mr. Scarface had one lane in life as a musician influencer and chose to enter a new lane in life. Now, if Scarface happens to watch this particular review, he may know what the fuck I'm talking about. If not, 
that's for whoever it is to know and that's cool i digress how do you feel about this track featuring rapper turned politician scarface <laughs> well i'm excited to see my boy scarface um as always um <laughs> so he knows what i'm talking about um so i just wanted to also mention here um or I think it starts off that um, he's talking about the fact that he's Muslim and his grandma found his drug stash. This he is Freddie Gibbs. Yeah, sorry, exactly. Freddie, not Scarface. I mean, I don't know, maybe. Um, I don't know what he does. Um, and uh, knew right away, like, when she confronted him that he was lying, that his answer would be a lie. Um, well, and- he told her I would stop selling it, and that was the lie. Well, yeah, it's still a lie. So um, he doesn't stop. He he can't stop, won't stop. Um, and so it just sucks because he he knows he's fucking up um, by still like being involved in like the drug game. But he loves it too much. It's just like too much of like what he he knows and who he is. So he just finds it difficult to like separate himself from doing that. Um, and then we have um, Scarface. I think he's on the third verse. Um, and for real, Scarface, Mr. Scarface, um, your voice, it's a beautiful thing. For real. Um, you really are a great person and a great, well, I don't know about great person, but you're a great rapper. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, and I, like, I think he's a great guy. Honestly, I mean, everything I don't know I've him in ever person. seen about Brad is fantastic. Every time I see him in an interview, he's absolutely... Well, that's his first name. Yeah. I, I just think the guy is such an admirable point of view. Like, of course. I, I really respect him. Of course. And I, I'm saying that I absolutely do. Um, and then, like, on the third verse, when he starts off, if money was the root uh, to the evil that it... Sorry, to what the evil is, is it mandatory for me to live? I hustle harder than the next dude. Remember, everybody is out to get you. So he's kind of saying, like, you know... We can be free, we can be happy with nothing, but like everything that we need involves having money. So it just, you you can't escape it. You need money. And so you have to do these things. And you know, he's hustling harder because there's somebody else that's coming up right behind him. And he knows that there's always going to be somebody that's going to want it harder and be more desperate um, and is going to work harder and whatever. So he's, you know, kind of saying that this is like, again, the reality of what we have to do and that it's a really is a doggy dog world um, out there. And I don't know, this one feels more raw. It has like a, a slower, more conversational type of a beat. Um, and again, basically, you know, all of the shit uh, from dealing with, you know, poverty and, you know, struggling with making money and, you know, just dealing with like this broken system that just never gets any better. And I think that that's kind of like what the main point is, is that, you know, clearly the system is broken. Um, you know, there's issues with everything that they're involved with, you know, with money, with life, with work, with family, with everything. And that's not just them. That's like an entire population and generation over and over again who are in these types of situations and like you're just you know you're just breeding into like that situation over and over and over again and it's never going to change because the system is broken and people are happy to just kind of you know or the people in power are happy to just kind of let it be and not think about it but you know the reality is is that people are suffering and having to deal with like these types of terrible situations so 
Yeah. Um, I mean, it's pretty interesting. So a uh, 4.4 on 5. Yeah, I like the somber nature of, of the beat. Um, I, I feel like it's just heavier. And like we've yeah. moved away from, I guess, the rapper thing to back into more of that commentary stuff. I like the way it's just like, yeah, Allah the Merciful, the ben, bene, the Beneficent, uh, Curse Over, Blessing, Pray, Be Heaven Sent, Forgive Me My Dirty Deeds Was Desperate, Fuck the Government, I Got My Own Deficit. That's an interesting point on taxes just there. Like, so he's almost praying for God for forgiveness because of the bad shit he's had to do in his life. And, you know, he doesn't pay taxes because he got his own deficit. It's like, how is he supposed all to be? all you know. What is it? The, the, you know, the two things that you know for sure is that, you know, death and taxes. Yeah. But so, so like, and is. then he knows the other part of it. Death, to me, the only thing that's definite. It's not taxes. They're not definite yeah. because, yo, what do I get out of this situation? I can't even afford to live, you know? Why would you pay into it if you're not getting anything? Money so. rule the world when you're dead. That shit's irrelevant. So you're going to die and all of this shit's going to pass on. So it doesn't really make any fucking point. Mm -hmm. And so he's basically sells to coke and that's kind of again projecting his mindset to how he gets to that point to where his grandmother responds i can tell your perspective is out of focus you're too obsessed with the liquor bitches and weed smoking a young person has been thugging since the old days promise i've seen <clears throat> i've done seen everything but old age pray my demons never catch up from my old ways keep the heat because i was going through a cold phase so it's almost like now that he's older and we moved on with this album it's kind of like he's now thinking back on it and just kind of reflecting on how it was hard and complicated and maybe it wasn't the best choice and he isn't necessarily proud of all of the things that he's done he just understood that he had to do it and now there are going to possibly be consequences to it and i think it's important to make sure that when discussing subjects like this kind of lifestyle that the picture is painted in full and i have to say yeah. that up until this point freddie gibbs has done an amazing job of painting a pretty clear picture of the complicated nature of this so little focus has been on the winning except that it's the fact that he got to have this life now and instead it's about all the darker shit that surrounds it like yeah surviving off cold cuts and cold spam i can't see eye to eye with my old man hiding my insecurities with this gang flag like what a line hiding my insecurities with this gang flag like we're poor or whatever but instead of you know feeling broken and shit we can unite under this gang and be together and feel more powerful we both disguised the police but he wore the same badge and his dad was a cop so he's in the gang side his dad's a cop and it creates like a divide yeah, between them and as a child, I admired that, but now I wonder how. He was a pig, but you barely making 20 thou. I guess that's why you put me on that lick for 20 pounds. A life of crime is all we ever shared from then to now. And I'm a crook, and you crooked. That's all we got in common. So his dad ended up being a crooked cop, and he's a crooked, and, and you know, there's some complications there. He checked the deuce to my mama, so much for family bonding. And it's just, like, another layer of, of shit in his life, you know? Like seven grams of rock i stuff him in my nuts and seven bucks an hour wasn't good enough because seven days a week i'm living in a rush and when you consider like the fact that his dad like for such a shitty salary was a cop it looks so noble but at the end of the day it's just like there's no money in that it's fucked up you're still basically right. poor and not surviving so if you want to live beyond the basics of minimum wage this is all it really is um and then you have scarface's verse that he comes through uh if money was the root to what the evil is is it mandatory for me to live i hustle harder than the next dude remember everybody's out to get you people don't respect to live and let live so i pack a 40 caliber because that's how it is so here no fear fuck yep. feelings trigger man ruled us the art of drug dealing um 
and it's just kind of like a perspective again like and if if i'm wrong mr scarface i apologize but it's a perspective where it's like questioning like you need this money to get through but how can it be that you need this thing that causes people to come at you from a point of violence and it is the evil but it's such like a a conflict you know so it ends up being like you can't have any choice but to embrace the reality full front without emotion and just do what you have to do trying to stack my money to the ceiling no new friends don't want to talk about old business so that's a cool line because it's like I don't want to bring new people into my circle. It was either down or you're not. You know, at this point in life, as you get older, do you really want to have all these people coming through now that you're rich? But he also doesn't want to talk about old business because that's then, that's some incriminating like shit. And I like the way he wears that line. Then it just kind of is fine. I don't know. The rest of his verse is okay. I didn't find it was extra noteworthy, but I like the vibe of how he fits into the questioning tone of this project and how, like, it's murky and gray. It isn't just such a black and white thing like a lot of people like to make it sound. Um, I really did enjoy this one. I gave it a 4.4 on 5. It felt very meaningful. And then, uh, yeah, the next track is pretty much a West Coast anthem. Why don't we uh, talk about Lakers? Man, this just feels <clears throat> so West Coast. You got this super West Coast sound and beat where you are. You know how I know it's West Coast? And I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. But I just, my eyes close and cars are bouncing. It's like it's you can't listen to this without the cars just like, they're and the cars just kind of bopping. And yep. like, it just feels like it throws back to that G-funky kind of Dr. Dre, Snoop Doggy sound. Which makes sense because, I mean, that's what he's trying to pro- like portray here. And uh, I really just like how he's like, you know what? I came to L.A., I became L.A. It doesn't really matter where I'm from. I'm L.A. now. And I like the fact that he took that the opportunity to kind of make the track, giving a shout-out to the place where he's at. Like, he starts it off like, fuck it, 7-7 seven, seven cutlass. I move my ass to Cali with my Indiana bucket. Need to stop a wet, but I'm on the frame a little rusty. They call my shit a scraper in the beta. Bitches love it. So that's, he uh, basically moved out to Cali, got the right paint job, and now everybody likes it. His particular brand of car is known as a scraper, and that's what he's got. And the ladies love his uh, fly paint job, which we now, through hip-hop history, have learned about the candy paint coats and stuff and understand what he's talking about here. I feel informed. And he's choking on some Cali good, which is fine, but we got Montreal good up here, so whatever. Been wanting to cruise on Crenshaw since a little person watching Boys in the Hood. And I'm like, me too. I want to go to Crenshaw so bad. I've heard about Crenshaw all the time in, in the songs. I want to go there. I, I, I know that place. I don't know. There's a guy <laughs> who followed me on Instagram once after watching a review, and he did all the LA tours, and he's as white as I am. And he's just in everywhere posting about all the places. And I'm like, I want to be that really white guy going around like, I'm in Crenshaw! <laughs> just because I, I could not. I'm in Montreal. We're not exciting like that. But then he's like, since Ricky got killed, copping that cornmeal. And I'm like... Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's part of the movie, though. Before the palm trees, pussy, and recording years, I was overdue for a visit. A valley bitch with the family and the shy gave me the digits. The 818, the sex was great. Come on, everybody knows Montreal's where the great sex is at. Perfect the art of fornication. Put a bitch out the car for your Cali conversation. I mean, it just sounds like a really fun, like, love song to embracing and moving on to Cali and all of that good shit. 
then you got polyester the saint like my home my home where they i ride for you and i'm like it's got like a really good melody it just kind of feels like an old-timey hook and I, I like it then absol is like i'm on my way back to lax from jfk so he was in new york he's now flying back mm -hmm. to la and he's like i love new york but i'm coming back to cali because it's the best and i think my favorite part of his song is like when he's like um because we from there so don't go there which is kind of like um giving love to that biggie line um overall i just uh i live out there so don't go there you heard it before you know that's what i meant to say anyway so it's just pretty cool because he's kind of shouting out that biggie line but then going back to cali get it quite yep. literally because mm -hmm. um, now i'm the king of the music to y'all california love california dreaming i've seen lost angel they've been found demon demons and i feel like he's pretty good on this one i've never been the biggest absolute fan but i've also nothing real bad and it's stuff that makes me not want to go that deep into him to be honest is when he goes we ain't in kansas city but you'll find a tech nine and if that tech jam you better have a toast too and i'm like okay that's fine fuck that this is what we're gonna toast to okay like to me it's not the greatest but it's i it's nice um then freddie gibbs comes back and just kind of doubles down on the fact that he's fucking la you know too much pride to let this pussy yep. industry play me out repairing that broken gym that's what la about shout out to cali bud my west coast plug brother from another mother we showed that west coast love me and kid me and killer Kaz was pulling them stick ups cuz bending blocks with my people box smoking to whip up blood whatever he says a bunch of shit there <laughs> and i don't know it just seems proper i don't know i have a lot more to comment on it but he's flirted with other bitches cali stays on his mind because it's the you know at the end of the day this is where his home is yeah and i like how he kind of ends it with a tupac quote uh this is the new allegiance this is not a new allegiance to the west coast i've been on the west coast all this time kind of commenting on how you know Pac had a similar transition went out to la and etc Right. Fun fact, a lot of guys I know in Montreal want to go out to L.A. Because we don't have any celebrities here in Montreal, that in hip-hop at least. So there's nothing really pulling up the scene to the next tier of whatever. And so a lot of people are heading out to L.A. to kind of work behind the scenes because there's money there if you if you go. So there's a whole bunch of Montreal folk out there that just you probably wouldn't even know. Because yep. there's nothing happening here in English. Anyway for me this song was super all right um it was just it kind of felt like a nice west coast anthem feel it yeah. felt like appropriate and him showing love i give it a 4.35 yeah well i mean that's what it's supposed to be and i think it is and that's why i think it does like exactly what it's supposed to do um at the beginning we have like a phone ringing and it sounds like a like a mob movie or something like a clip that's at the beginning so i think that that's kind of interesting um and it does kind of like set the scene because I feel like LA is notorious for having like bad cops and and like shady police just everything and so it just kind of makes me think of something like that and like that there's you know more that happens behind the scenes with gangsters and everything else um so he's saying like yeah his headquarters is LA and um I'm I'm wondering if this was like a common place that people moved to from Gary Indiana um, like, where did everybody go? Because it was abandoned. And I'm just, like, wondering, like, where, like, the Man, majority of the population... It's not that abandoned. I looked around. No, but, like, I looked and it was just, like, it just kept showing, like, like buildings that were, like, falling down. Also Everything was... Of, I looked. There was a lot of nice houses, too. Okay. Well, but there was also a lot of abandoned. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering where everybody went. 
Um, that's kind of my question. Um, but he obviously went to LA and um, just sort of about the, the realities of it and how he loves it and you know where he has his kids and he has his ladies and this is like where he like plans on dying and LA is like his real home now and you know obviously like there's doesn't seem to be much to go back to in in Gary Indiana so when I'm sure he's you know he has everybody with him uh, you know not his uncle which we'll find out but um yeah, so um, so he's just talking all about that, and then we have Absol, and he's kind of saying like he absolutely loves L.A. and you know he loves New York, but L.A. is his home, and you know where he'll always go back to no matter what. Um, and that he kind of talks about the fact that it's still kind of like a war zone, and the people who live there um, never forget kind of like what happened in like the '90s, and you know forever. Um, and yet people still love it and they still continue to love it and it still feels like home and that there's such a, like a, a sense of community there and um, just sort of like a love song to LA and I think that um, I think that's nice and I think that oh he also mentions the fact or um, Freddie does he mentions the fact that he's He's been in L.A. for a while and he doesn't care what, you know, people think about it. the fact that he's, you know, moved there and he's not a true L.A. You know, he wasn't born and bred there, but it's his home now and he loves it and he's going to, like, do what he can to protect it and, you know, keep, be safe. So it's good and, you know, it's just nice that he has, like, this connection for his city. So I give it a 4.5 on 5. All right. The next track on the album is called Nix. How do you feel about this one? Well, um, I mean, I like this one. It, this one has like this like really interesting, like old school beat to it, um, and like really like I find like his flow on this one is just like mwah, fantastic, and um, he's kind of talking about the same sort of topics again. Um, he's remembering when he wanted to have some like Nike shoes, and like his parents, I don't think could like really afford it, and the only way for him to to get them was to sell drugs um which he got from his uncle and able when he was able to like make the money to i guess af hopefully afford his shoes um and all because he wanted to have something that was like his like basketball heroes who were on the knicks um which is why this is titled the knicks um that he looked up to he just wanted to be like the people he looked up to you know typical kid you know we all I mean, I had Spice Girl shoes, those big old clunky shoes, um, you know, because that's, you know, you wanted to be like them. And so having running shoes because, you know, your favorite basketball players have them, I get that. Um, and then he, yeah, so he looks up to the Knicks and also it has to kind of do with the fact that um, Nick Cole bags are um, of drugs is what he had to sell to get them. So it's just sort of like that sort of double entendre and how like well that works there. Um, he talks about the fact that the police killed his friend um, in like the mid 90s and he still he still wants revenge for that. He still like has this like anger in his soul um, regarding that. And that's for real. That's, you know, I know I've said it before, but I know that that's got to like fucking suck. Um, and that's definitely like the type of thing that can make a person angry for like the rest of their lives. So I get that. Um, and like no matter what he, he, he does, he goes back to selling drugs and um, and gives his like 
cross street, I guess, like maybe like where he was like located if you wanted to go pick up drugs. Like this is like this is where I am. Um, I'm not 100% sure why he did that, but I assume that that's probably why. Um, but he's kind of shouting out where he was at, you know, back in the day. That's where he was. Yeah, like that's next. where he was. Because like, as I was cruising around Virginia Street and Gary on Google Maps, actually, <laughs> was basically bopping around 17th Avenue and right. Virginia Street. So that's probably where his, you know, was like his turf. Um, and like, yeah, so, but he's um, supporting like his community now that he's got money and um, he's living the real life and he starts. Um, <coughs> so now he, he, you know, he starts, instead of selling drugs, he, he goes back and he gives turkeys out to, like, families on, like, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas or holidays or whatever. Um, and, like, you know, he's showing that, you know, he's a good person. And I think that this is, like, what you're supposed to do, like, especially if you're, like, you know, if you grow up in a place that has, like, a lot of struggles and that there's a lot of negative in like that um community and like kids are like not getting any sort of like chances and things like that that this is like what like if you are from a place like that like ideally what you should do if you have money and you know you can give back do it because like that's obviously you know the best thing that you can do for the <coughs> community and to show what a good person you are so this is like another honest true um good song sort of about like how shitty his life was so i give this one a five on five so I was not like the biggest fan of this track in terms of just the sound of it. I found it harder to get into. Overall, it seemed kind of like what you were describing. Him looking back, like just from the beginning, pimping on the assist. I'm watching Jordan drop a double nickel on the Knicks. So that's getting 55 points. That was 95. Couple of us ain't lived till 96. Kind of a commentary on the fact that not everyone survives where he's from. And almost just kind of the reality of where he's at. So gangbanging, cane slagging, how does caught in a twist. We was middle school fools. Life was never rushing past me. Fresh out the Tolston bus, bus fighting past Pulaski. Uncle hit me off with a zip. Now I get some cash G. Well, where you get the money from the Nikes? My mama asked me. You gotta sell the nickel bags. So he's kind of like just looking back on the world in this track and just kind of reflecting on how he got to where he's at, which is interesting because the last track kind of shows him in Cali where he is. And then he's thinking back to where he, you know, Gary's around Illinois or Indiana or one of those places. So he's following the Chicago Bulls as they're crushing on through things. And then kind of showing how many different kinds of Knicks there really are from the basketball team to the Nickelback, as he pointed out. But it was just the idea of his mom, like, you know, like, how can you afford those Nikes? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I know you up to some shit. And then he's like selling nickel bags, stress, weed, million seeds, where the liquor, liquor at. And it's just kind of, again, painting out that perspective of, you know, what life was like back in the 90s for him. Then he's reflecting on selling the nickel bags on the hook. And then he goes ahead 10 years, you know, chilling with a bitch, watching LeBron put a 56 on the Knicks. So this time he's watching LeBron do even better um, beating the Knicks, which I think he enjoys watching the Knicks not do so well. In 2005, the following year, in 2006, the police kill his person, and the only thing he loses is his pension ain't that but a bitch. So it's like on top of that, he dies, then there's more complications with that from a more systemic sense. If I see that hoe, I got a slug for him. He wants to take out the cop. He wants to torture this guy because end of the day, all this time later, he's realized how wrong the situation ultimately ends up being. 
how you ends up making more sense to kind of commit crime and go down that you know path and then he just kind of does his outro or he just kind of you know recollects a little bit on where he's from and whatnot but i don't know i just felt like it, it just seemed kind of like a quick and airy song where i could also see for a lot of the reasons i'm not the biggest fan of this track just kind of airy kind of light kind of just simple and pensive a lot of other people are going to really relate and connect to it yeah so i don't think it's a bad song by any means i just think that it lacks some of the elements that i think I don't know, like the depth or whatever. It's just kind of a simple, you know, nice little ditty that he threw on this one. Plus, the Lakers are a basketball team for the last track. The Knicks are a basketball team. They almost kind of go together in the again, like, and I like the way he does that with this album, where these songs definitely have a deeper connection to it, even while not necessarily being about the same thing. So I appreciate that element of it. But in my opinion, this is this is my least favorite song on the album. So I'm giving it a 4.15 because I recognize how well made it is and it's just my preferences that have me not liking it as much. And the truth is, I got no shame saying that. So this track features the very singy VJ, the Chicago kid, who is uh, a guy whose name I haven't seen in a while. Like I feel like 2016, 17, he was a lot of places, 18 mm-hmm. he existed, and now he's just kind of faded away from at least what i'm noticing i'm not saying he doesn't have a career i'm saying that i don't see him doing all the hooks like this and that's what Mm. he did he did these kinds of r&b type hooks but what do you think about this track um so this one is um about him cheating on his girl basically and um so this one is like funky it's got like a really nice beat um, and it sounds like I, I mean, again, this is Madlib, and I think it's so cool, like the kind of the things that he puts into his like song making like levels, and it's just like really unique. But it sounded to me um, like a pinball machine or something was like mixed in, like the sound of a pinball. If you know what I, like, if you know what I mean, and you listen to the song, let me know if you hear it as well. Um, but because it definitely had like nostalgic sounds in there so it just kind of was fun Um, so verse one is basically about like how um, him and this girl met and would have like fun and like the sex was great and everything and then second verse is all about um, like all these girls that are like reaching out to him because they want him and he gets tempted um, and because he's involved with drug dealing and everything else this one girl gets, you know, her weed every week from him. And so it's like super easy because he can just bring her like the weed every weekend and then have sex with her. And it's just so easy. Um, but like there's still like the shame that comes along with that. And the fact that he's like cheating on like the girl that he's, you know, or that he's supposed to be in love with or, you know, is the baby mama. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but um, yeah. And then we've got, yeah, like you said, BJ is on the chorus. Um, I just felt like there's not enough of him on this song. Um, like, I don't know. I would have liked something a little bit extra. But, um, I mean, it's fine. It's cool. It's another true, honest story of a sticky situation that he got himself into. So I gave it a 4.5 on 5. I thought it was interesting because of how he positions it. I mean, if you watch the music video, basically <laughs> these girls come through, mm-hmm. buy drugs off of him, yep. and fuck him. Yep. And in a sense, it's like... He, I know um, he's kind of, I don't feel like he's committed to any of these girls. I feel like he's like, you don't have to look at it like it's shameful. This is just kind of what it is, baby. You come through here, this is the game. Yep. 
um, slamming. When I hit you up, I'm talking about banging something. Chill off in your curb, have it there, and probably make it stank or something. So, you know, you're going to come with some drugs. Girl, you like my bottom, bitch. Post my bail. Pay for my lawyer. Play your position when the mother hoes get out, the, out of order. So evidently, she's got more money for him. There's more benefit to this. You want to give me that pussy? You purchase a plane ticket, run around town when I bust her down. They want shit like the lames did it. Got her dick whipped. My dick smear with her lipstick. Basically, if this bitch lay with me, she paying me. I'm on some pimp shit. And I'm like... That's right. That's fair. So he's realized the value in his dick. All these women seem to want him, whether it's because he's attractive or because of what he can provide in their life or the attitude. But he's monopolizing on this. He recognizes this is a good thing and he's chasing it. So if you want to be part of it, this is kind of what this is. So he meets some girl. He fucked her like he married her and, you know, it was all high end and everything. Thought this shit would never stop. Motherfucking intermission. Damn. Here we go again, baby. You got to take that walk now. Because once you're done and everything's over, well, get the fuck out. It's time for your walk of shame. <clears throat> but uh, basically, it doesn't have to be a walk of shame if you understand the game, if you understand what's going on. It's only a walk of shame if you, like, think about it and it, you know, becomes shame. Yeah. Um, and then the second verse kind of doubles down on it and just kind of shows off that verse. Um, basically just more girls come through for the drugs and then fuck him and that's just kind of what it is and even though he's fucking the one girl the second girl kind of comes through and she goes to buy some weed and then comes through with nothing but ass and titties and that was enough to convince him hit it he could say it was accidental but eh, he slipped on a banana and fell into her vagina or something yeah it's like but whatever that's just kind of what it is because that's the kind of life he's living YOLO I mean I like the honesty in it and again, he, he brings through with it. I like the fact that he is portraying a certain kind of life that is probably like, like I have to say, like getting paid to fuck these girls is a lot more appealing than say half the songs BJ the Chicago Kids on where the men throw money at strippers in order to have sex with them. So I definitely like Freddie Gibbs approach a lot more where it seems like the women hold him down rather than the other way around. And I like how he, he's basically pinning it like, if you understand the game, there's no shame in this. Like, this can be like a, a fun and interesting thing we all do. Anyway, I give it a 4.25. R&B love rap songs are not my favorite cup of tea, but this one has at least a niche in it that takes it to a more interesting true, place. True, true, true. Anyway, Bonnie has been waiting a whole album review for the next one. So why don't we talk about Watts? All right. All right, Bonnie, what do you feel about this wonderful skit? Well, this one, um, it's basically uh, a message from his uncle, um, who definitely sounds a little out of it, maybe a little drunk or high or something like that. Um, And he is just basically bitching at Freddy for being a weak-ass bitch. Um, And he feels like Freddy, uh, or he knows that Freddy has money, and he feels that um, because of that... He should be um, helped financially um, when things get hard and, you know, because he's family and everything else. And, like, you know, there was a situation where, like, his house was, I think, repossessed or something he talks about um, or was, like, taken away from him. And um, so he's, you know, saying, like, you're not helping out your family. Like, we're out here and we're still in, like, this shit together and we're, you know, like, you need to be, like, here with us and, like, supporting us. So, like, I can see, like, why Freddie 
like I can see like both sides of of the story. Like obviously like the person who's like in like this like you know shitty hellhole shitsville type situation, um, and and somebody you know close uh, you know in your family has become successful and has money enough to help you out of that situation. Of course you're going to be like pissed off the fact that he's not doing that. But from the other point of view, you, you know, it's like, I guess, you know, Freddie, maybe, I don't know his financial situation. I don't know how much money he's actually making. You know, it seems like he's making a lot. It's kind of what he's bragging about on that Waterfalls song. Um, but like that he can support his family, but it's like, maybe he doesn't want to. Maybe he, he wants to separate himself from that. But like, I don't know, like I, or, or he's sick of people just like, you know, being like, oh, you're such a bitch, give me money, no, 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 no. It's like you're insulting him, but like at the same time, you're still wanting something from him. So, and I don't know, it's, I honestly, I think it's like a pretty, pretty honest and open um, type of like something to put on your album. And it's very personal to like you and like your family. It's like, it's, you know, the, you would say that this is like private matters, but like this is definitely it's something that's um, relevant in, in his life. And uh, it's true. It's good. It's interesting. And, um, you know, something that he's dealing with. So I gave it a 4.4 on 5. I think it's, um, yeah, I mean, I understand why he's so pissed off and why he keeps yelling at him. So, yeah. I think the idea is to kind of you have this gangster ass freddie uh, gibbs that we've been listening to the whole time putting in this like you can't fuck with me kind of mentality and then while he's got money now and he's got success and whatever yep this is just kind of reminding reminding freddie gibbs of i guess where he comes from and keeping him humble in a sense right yeah as i understand it this is an actual phone call that he received from Big Time Watts, who's apparently a Vine sensation, which I found out just now. <laughs> and he's basically pointing out, and Freddie Gibbs is like, not many people can talk to me, and uh, whatever, he can, he's one of these people, and he was mad, and so we, uh, he kind of humbled me out with this phone call, and it's just kind of like pointing out, like, you know, remember where you came from, who your family is, and that if you are doing well, you're supposed to share the love, which is important. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just honestly kind of hilarious. It's like, and it shows that Freddie Gibbs is kind of a, a big man in, in like a sense of being like a, a respectable person because there's a lot of people who would get a phone call like this and act really poorly with it. But instead, he sees through what his uncle's saying. His uncle is saying a lot of foul shit, we'll say, but really what he's saying is don't be too big for yourself. You're not special. You know, don't act like that. Yep. Be better. And I thought that was cool. And I give it a 4.25. It was quite something to listen to. Let's move on then to the title track of this project, mm-hmm. Piñata. It is eight yeah. minutes, but it's not eight minutes a song. It's more like five-ish minutes a song plus three minutes a skit. Yeah. Um, what do you think about this one? So let's let's shout out the whole crew here. We've got Domo, Genius, G-Wit. Oh, sorry. G- oh, wow. Not a genius. Uh, Domo Genesis, G Wiz, uh, Casey Veggies, Suleiman, Mac Miller, and Michi Dark. So we got a whole. Um, Michi Darko. Uh, me, sorry, sorry, sorry. Me, I did not write this down properly. Uh, <laughs> and Freddie Gibbs, of course. Um, so this one is like dirtier and harder, and it just like feels like, you know, him and his crew are like, yeah, we're here. And um, this one definitely flows really nicely. Um, 
and like as in like there's like so many features but like the transition from like artist to artist is like pretty pretty damn well done um because like they find like the person who's like the next most closest in like flow or like overall sound or style or something like that and it's sort of so it kind of almost sounds like one person like kind of flowing into the next but it's or <coughs> just one person throughout the whole song but like there's obviously like all these guys um so i think that that's really nice i mean not that people don't stand out but like it has like a nice th- flow to it um so basically it's all about the life and the hood and the decisions that they've made because of their reality and um just sort of like the general theme that we've had um overall on this album um and everybody's kind of talking about like their situation um i have to say like mac miller definitely stands out for me on this one as being like different in terms of sound um and and I know you you mentioned uh, you really like Michi Darko. I do like Michi Darko. So, yeah. I mean, That's right. Flatbush Zombies. What? <laughs> um, and then, like, the song changes when there's about, like, two and a half minutes left to the song. Um, and it's, like, really cool. And it's, like, mixed in. Um, like, this beat is really mixed in with, um, like, an old school movie. And there's, like, some sort of, like, violent scene that's happening. And, like, um, one of, like, the characters does some, like you know, blow or something like that. And it's just sort of like interesting to hear that. And then the song changes again. And when there's about like a minute 30 left to the song and um, it's basically him just like playing around in the recording studio, kind of like singing and going back and forth on the mics and just kind of like playing with that. And I've always mentioned, I always like that kind of stuff. So I think that that's kind of cool that he's just kind of playing with it. And he's singing like a cappella, and he really is like a, a very good like singer as well. I think um, he's nice. Uh, he's clearly talented, and it just sounds like you know at the end of all of this like you know telling of all of these terrible things that happen and like all the situations that he ends up in and like the trouble and you know all of the a lot of the negative. Um, in this pinata is that there's goodness kind of like at the end and like that there's like happiness and his friends and his music and you know his career and everything that he does like now brings him so much joy and happiness and he can be goofy and he doesn't have to have like that sort of like anxiety and stresses any that anymore in his life that he once used to so i think that he's able to be a little bit more <coughs> playful and relaxed and um kind of enjoy life now so i think that that's kind of um what i got out of that so i think that this is a pretty cool outro um and there's definitely a lot going on and it's sort of like you know a mixed pinata and uh, you, you never know what you're going to get until you hit it and crack crack it open so i gave this a 4.4 on 5. yeah so as far as the pinata name he had a dream where he uh had a kid and the kid had a birthday party and it was a latina kid for some reason so they had a pinata and he must have been cooking dope or something so when they broke the pinata it was just a bunch of kids playing with dope so that's pinata yeah but in this track it's cool it has a lot of different folk bringing different energies um, domo genesis is all right he starts us off like he did with the other one i thought it was interesting got two starts on the album uh live like nine to five i rhyme and come alive my grind defines divides fine through divine my divine eyes it's prime time you wish you could buy time but it's my time thoughts against i blast for me it's like a vice crime i roll them thick and i ignite minds i don't even get high just get equally back in my right mind 
And it just kind of feels like he's focusing, he's putting in the work, he's getting ready to come through to get lethal with these nice lines creeping through your speakers. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a cool energy to his part. I feel like you can tell he's putting in the effort. Um, I'll be honest, it isn't like my favorite verse, but like it's good. Like it just none of it was like, oh, that line's the best, you know, but it's it's nice. Like it just flows through. Um, and maybe I'm just one of those critics on his dick. I don't know what to say. Then Freddie Gibbs does the second verse. Bitch, I've been thugging since the motherfucking 10-speed red bone on my handlebars. I like my bitch's mixed breed. Uh, Philly, Philly Titan with a 20 sack of stress weed. Educated at my stove. I'm working rep- recipes. I feel like Freddie just has an energy that I like more. Yeah. Even if the bars aren't maybe the most excellent, they're still, like, more engaging, more, like, imagery to it, where, like, you just picture them kind of cruising through, selling dope, cooking up shit, revive my enemy with gun-to-mouth resuscitation. That's creative, right? Like, you know, you just picture him, his, his enemies kind of knocked him the fuck out or whatever, feeling stunned, put a gun in his mouth, he wakes the fuck up. I went to this little pussy purse and pay me. I'm impatient. Let's go kick the door and strip him naked. Leave him stinking. No witness, no weapon. My people, the case is over. The Reaper snatched him. Close cases. Family needs some closure. I just feel like it's more, it's better. This is a better version. One of the stand-up ones on this album. Um, and it's, it's, or sorry, in this, in this song at least. Then G-Wiz does the first, third verse. And I, I don't remember it enough to like stand out. So I'm going to say it's like it fits the song. But it didn't make me want to go look up G-Wiz after. Um, I tried to do right, but I only got your boy fucked in the game, so I changed my mind. Now I'm back on this grind trying to get this change. People hate to see me getting in traveling packs with red dot pointed at. You're not trying to get what you got when the rain and pain going to stop. Mm-hmm. Standing on the porch early in no shoes, selling blow in my socks, and I was watching for the ghetto bird. I'm like, it feels like a light version of what Freddie Gibbs has been giving us. Like in the same tone, but it doesn't pack the same punch. It's good. It's just not amazing. Okay. And Casey Vegetables, he's okay too. Like again, it doesn't like stand out to me. Make him hop in a new coupe. People been winning. Uh, ain't nothing uh, new. Forgive me for the sinning that they be doing in this business. Not using their words to express truth. Out in the streets with a screw loose on the west side. I got the juice. Just tell me what you're trying to do. She loving the crew and ain't fucking with you. I go where the hood people get it into. And I'm like, eh, whatever. And it's just fine. Like I don't mean it like that, but like I'm listening to it and I'm like. It just feels like on the cypher when people show up and just say the shit, like the shit you're supposed to say. Um, there's nothing about his verse that really stood out or was anything. Soleim had a Soleiman or whatever had a cadence that stood out to me. At least like it stood out and was memorable. But I don't know. My mind on capital. I'm not just rapping, dude. I'm out to speak actual factual. I'm like, did he just say actual factual? Like you're supposed to, like you don't want to be Mr. Actual Factual. Like, that's not the guy you want to be. Nobody likes that guy. Anyway. Okay. Watch how a master moves. You buy a fist. Then what going to do? I'm from my city clapping fools. You off the tit like in wild watching me fashion stools. Now, you might go, what does off the tit mean? Well, on Genius, Solomon said off the tit. This is from him. It's slang for falling off or falling out of general favor. Thank you. Yeah. Watching me fashion stool, shit and stuff. Eh, whatever, it's fine. He does go out and bitches knowing he a pimp. Ain't even need to rent the blimp. It was a good day. 
Now, Bonnie knows all about that yep. blimp that they made for Mr. O'Shea's It Was a Good Day. Yeah, for I like that line. That was pretty out. cute. Good day to O'Shea, a death certificate for anyone who lay in my way, because death certificate's an ice cube album. Mm-hmm. But it's all right. The Michi Darko kills it. It's my favorite verse, but I'm a big sucker for Michi Darko's voice. He's my favorite Flatbush zombie. It's the irrational type of person to jump out and tackle you because of football. Get it? John Madden, football, mm-hmm. tackle you. Steal sure. your keys and crash your coop in the botanical. Wrap you with shackles, tangle you, pull you from every angle, dismantle you. Watch your blood mix with the mud and stain the gravel too. And I'm like, yep, that's that descriptive, interesting shit. I'm picturing him like tear you apart and whatnot. And I just feel like it, it's more engaging because his voice too has that deep, like weird singiness to it that just makes everything he says more engaging. Um, speed off the Brooklyn bitch before I catch a cold case realize I'm the voice for those who do not have a voice so I voice my fucking voice I don't have a fucking choice and just to recognize your role to be like the person who has to rep his people or the ones that are like him and to stand up and take on that point I just just respect it I like it I think he sounds real cool and then Mac Miller does the strangest fucking verse all respects to Mac Miller rest in peace and shit um but this is a weird verse. My endorphins are morphing, absorbing energy. Because he sounds fucking bored, too. Like, he sounds like he's really high on painkillers or he's really bored. Original copy, a table of two cities get read to me. Reading Emerson novels, eating some Belgian waffles, some powder go up my nostrils, my dick going down her tonsils. What's up? Play with an abacus. I've been stressing like Catholics. That's the shit. A bit of happiness in my cup. This gener- and I'm like... Everyone else's verse felt more like I'm a gangster in the hood rapping some shit and Mac Miller sounds like I'm the guy they sell drugs to. Yeah. And I'm really not trying to be disrespectful. I I know it might sound that way because when a dude dies, like everyone gets kind of weird about it. I mean, people were mad at Eminem for releasing an album the same day a posthumous Mac Miller project came out. But... I mean, my music is more cerebral, exploring just what you need to. So this is your exodus, Church of the Methodist, beating up the pussy, have her screaming like an exorcist, and then a long-ass scream. And I'm like, this isn't that good. Like, if this was the only Mac Miller verse I ever heard in my life, <laughs> I would never want to listen to Mac Miller. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. This had the opposite But impact. he definitely sounds different. Um, but he doesn't sound, like, in a good way. He sounds like he's, like, a nerdy white boy. A stone, nerdy white boy that really doesn't get it. Yeah. Um, anyway, all, all I'm trying to say is it was very strange, his verse. It wasn't like it was poorly rapped. It just didn't think it fit this song or it belonged here. Anyway, and then he ends on how, like, we punked the whole game. O'Doyle rules. And I'm I like, thought that was funny, but, like, so random. Like, you know? O'Doyle rules. Which is fine, but... It's from uh, Billy Madison. Yeah, it's fine. Then there's all the outro stuff, like you said, which I was completely like, whatever, I could live without it type shit. It's fine. I liked it. It shows how Freddie Gibbs had fun. It felt very classic album to do the outro the way he did. But I would have preferred it if he did like an extra track for the outro skits so that they weren't just so attached to it. Because sometimes you can't always switch the song and then you have to listen to stuff. But right. I like this a lot and I give it a 4.5. Cool. Um, so I guess that brings us over to the end of the album. I gave the entire thing a 4.55 on 5 because uh, basically the project is track by track different. 
sonically mad libs brings so much to the table making each song a unique experience freddie gibbs brings versatile flows excellent wordplay great imagery but more important on a conceptual front manages to like bring you through the story kind of of his life in a way where you end up empathizing with how he gets into drug dealing and the impact and the consequences of living that life bringing up ethical questions you don't think through per se manages to do a song about getting paid for sex which was surprising like overall i think this is a really great album like when people talk about how hip-hop's dead and nothing good's good like how how could you say that this album's pretty fucking proper especially if you're into that old timey shit but it also has like this new timey vibe to it so like right. i really think just serves well as a, as a classic do i think it'll go down as the greatest album of all time no but do i think it deserves a spot of like real recognition for best albums of the 2010s kind of yeah i think yeah, this is a good. really solid substance filled album in an era where music like is yo 2014 we have not a lot like this coming out i mean there's some stuff but like it's not a lot like this in pop line that i was hearing so I think it's cool. I could see how like a lot of guys could build on the success of this project. Yeah. Um, I mean, I really like this as well. I mean, this is pretty cool. And I like that this was uh, my first like, experience really like listening to you, um, Freddie Gibbs. It's definitely um, like I feel like you know him, like ha- having listened to this like album. Um, so I give this a, a 4.49 on 5, so that's an 89.8%. So, I mean, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... It's a pretty consistent, pretty um, pretty great uh, album. The lyrics are great. The the rapping is great, and Madlib is fantastic with his um, you know song beat making and all of that, and like the mixing and, and that is just fantastic. Um, so yeah, definitely check it out if you haven't, and um, yeah, let us know what you think. And then ask. In case you guys are wondering, I'm going to pressure Bonnie to listen to Bandana, which is the new one that came out (laughs) recently, because honestly, if you like this one, it's just as good. I I don't know which I like better, because I'd have to listen to them again back to back, but having listened to both those projects, I'm left with this feeling that Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib is something to be excited about when you see their names, and like, honestly, these are guys worth supporting and buying the physical copies of their projects, should you have money to support people like that, and whatnot, and it was really good to go through this project. Um, Anyway, that's the end of our full album review for the uh, Piñata project. Let us know what you think in the comments, and we'll definitely have some conversations down there. Looking forward to seeing what your favorite tracks were, all that good stuff. Those good anecdotal stories of when you first encountered Freddie Gibbs, or if you happened to go to the show, or this, that, the next thing. I know Chris, like I said, had the chance to see him live. I did not, because I wasn't given a free ticket. Um, (laughs) He leveraged my damn channel to get a free ticket. Anyway, uh... Let it, uh, subscribe, subscribe to the channel for more reviews. We're going to have more of them coming. Content might be a little slower for a bit, but trust, we got stuff cooking up. Oh, yeah. um, like the video if you did. And special thanks to the patrons, Ismail Kadamsi, Chris Prada, Jonathan Barnes, DJ Black Hurricanes, Linda Williams, Coney Spice, and Scribble. They're dope. They support what we do. They helped us get new cameras. Website is now underway because of them. And uh, a few other cool things. Also, Coney Sparks requested this very review using his Patreon power. So if you have an album you want to see, check that shit out. Help us get to that next level. We have a whole 
redecoration project that we are planning out that's going to cost a lot more money than I thought it was when I started fantasizing about it. But if you're going to do it, do it right. So once we've saved up the requisite couple thousand dollars that might kind of actually running for total things, this room is going to look blessed as fuck with new furnitures and all sorts of good vibes. Yep. Anyway. If you want to help us get through that, I would make you super awesome. I also make music. You can check that out on this channel and Spotify's and stuff. Holden Stefan Roy, the alternate alternative grind is my last project. Let me know what you think about it. All that good stuff. Live long and prosper, everybody. Bye, guys. Have a great week.